0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Nishan Travasta. Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Welcome to Episode 5 for Season 11. This episode was recorded on Friday, the 15th of January, 2021, for release on the 3rd of February. As always, this episode was sponsored by the language COBOL and the number... Wait, cobalt? Are you kidding? All right. I'm Drew Freeman
1: here with my now confused co-host, Nishant Travasta. Thanks, Drew. In this episode, we have with us Joe Birch, who has also contributed to the book, Living by the Code. Joe is a senior Android engineer at Buffer on, and also a GD for Android, Google Assistant, Flutter, and Google Play. Joe, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, uh, thanks for having me. It's great, great to be here. And no,
0: I did not warn Nishant at all about how the sponsorship was going to run on that today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, t- it caught me for a moment then as well. <laughs> we
0: like to have we like to have some fun with the show. It's not all very strict and all of that. I mean, now you're a podcaster too. You understand that and have some appreciation for how do you keep it going from show to
2: show? Totally. Yeah, we we run a little podcast at work, um Buffer, Buffer Overflow podcast. So I know how it is. <laughs> Why
0: don't you tell, give give yourself a plug? Tell tell us about Buffer Overflow.
2: It was actually my colleague who who kicked it off, and um, I co host it with him. And yeah, we kind of, we we just chat about anything that's going on at work, like whether it's we're, we're big advocates of remote work. So we like to talk about remote work and then things inside Buffer. And we we try and pull in like a, a guest from within Buffer for each episode and just chat to them about maybe something they're working on or something they've experienced or something they want to share. So just kind of a, a place to share learnings and um with with the outside world, I guess.
0: And I'm really looking forward to talking to you about Buffer because there's just, so many things that sort of make it sound like the idyllic place to work, but I, I want to start because, as you can see, the tiger is practicing safe, safe plush. Um, <laughs> how are you doing with lockdown? I know that that the UK has recently moved back to t-
2: uh, tier five. I think. Yeah, yeah. Those those tier numbers are, are going up, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I it's um yeah. I mean, we went yeah we went back into lockdown on the thirtieth of December and. Kind of, we saw it coming. So I've kind of just—I feel like used to it by now. Like I think it's like it was last March we went into first lockdown, and since then it's just been kind of like going around in circles. So just yeah, used to it. <laughs> so, uh, what can you do?
0: So, so what was
2: fun before you were secluded in a in a house? Oh, it, it's for me, it's like the conferences and the travel, like and co-working. So I work from home. I work remotely so I work from home all week and I used to go to the co-working space every Friday to work with some friends. I really miss that. And I really miss the traveling as well and the conferences like that was a huge part of my year. Like going, I would travel like maybe almost once a month and meet people and see old friends and I really miss that. So yeah, that that's for me. And now obviously not being able to do that is eh, there's people worse off. So I'm just grateful that I managed to stay healthy and, and safe so far.
0: Were you remote before buffer, or was buffer sort of your your dive into real remote work?
2: yeah, buffer was so it chucked me in at the deep end, I guess you could say <laughs> um yeah, the, my last company was um quite we weren't allowed to, to work from home, and even if we needed even if we needed to for some reason we had to like it had to be a special reason we had to ask for permission and so on, so it was quite quite the opposite so going from that to buffer was was quite a jump and um Took a little bit to get used to it, I guess. Um, There was a lot of people um, I talked to at Buffer beforehand to to learn about best ways to approach it and so on. And yeah, but um, I think I settled in well. I'm, I'm, I guess, I'm kind of I like my own company, and I'm quite um, I I just like getting heads down in my work, um, which I think a lot of people do. So the the remote work environment works quite well for me.
0: Now, how long have you been with
2: Buffer? It's come up to, it'll be five years in July. So about four and a half, just over four and a half years, I think.
0: The lockdown didn't really affect work at all. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. This is the thing, like, my friends and my family are like, nothing's changed for you, Joe. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you didn't really go out anyway. <laughs> and you didn't go out for work. So, um, yeah, I think the only thing for me is, like, the social aspect of not being able to see friends. But in terms of work, it's, yeah, it's the same. And um just doing my, doing the thing I was doing before working from home. Um, yeah, not being able to co-work is the only difference there, but, um, yeah, it's all well prepared for, it, I guess you could say. <laughs> do
0: you want to talk about Buffer and a little about what they do?
2: Yeah, totally. So yeah, um, Buffer are a, uh, social media company. So we offer tools for, um, scheduling analytics and, uh, and customer engagement. Um, we have a, a suite of tools that, um, companies and small businesses can use to to interact with people uh, through uh, social networks so we kind of bring all those social networks together like facebook twitter pinterest instagram and you can sort of manage and schedule for all those networks in one place
0: is it predominantly a a uk-based company or do you have people from all
2: around all around like uh i can't remember the exact number of like different countries but literally dotted all over the world probably in every every part of the world i think we have someone (laughs) so like for example the mobile team mobile team is quite small it's about six people um but we have me in the uk we have someone in germany a couple of people in the us and then someone in india and someone in asia um in taiwan as well so it's quite the mobile team is quite spread out um, that's that's got to make positioning the time zone for a meeting very tricky <laughs> yeah yeah it it does like we don't the whole team the team as a whole does not have a meeting that's synchronous um we do a- mobile team is really an async team so everything every communication is done through slack or messaging boards um sometimes we leave videos for each other and um, so you really have to lean into that async nature um which i think is good because being a remote company i think that's important to do anyway so um we kind of just it's, it's a good opportunity for us to really lean into that
0: yeah it's it, I, i'm in a company that has gone completely remote mm. obviously like many other companies um for the for uh, for covid i am predominantly a remote developer myself and there seems to be that that understanding one has to learn about turnaround for response time that because there's an asynchronous nature to it you can't just say are you there and expect an immediate response and uh, I, I can tell the the, the the team members who are used to remote from the team members who are not used to remote from that concept of I'm going to schedule you for a meeting in 10 minutes and it's like no that doesn't that doesn't work for remote developers mm. Yeah.
1: one of the one of the companies I was working at um they couldn't understand remote working as true uh, is already ex- explaining about uh for them it's mostly about like I need you in 5 minutes and then you have to be in the call and uh, that's po- I, I guess once this pandemic has uh, come through uh, people have understood that that's not how remote work works uh, there's uh, so much uh, variance here in time and everything and uh, I guess that's why i think more companies are embracing remote work mm. and and more 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 importantly i also think that that buffer w- was doing this for some time like i think probably as you said like you've been there for 5 years but but more than that also um, but do you think that that this trend will continue forward and and more or less that would buffer be the one kind of like leading on all the different strategies here because there's a lot of things happening at buffer, right. Regarding remote work, Mm. which maybe you could also talk about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Buffer have been remote. I think it's maybe over 10, almost the whole time Buffer has been around. Most of it has been remote. Um, And yeah, there's a lot, it's a big shift, like for a company to go from like when buffer made a shift, they were quite small, but for these larger companies to convert to remote work, it's a, It's a huge process change, like literally the way you do things change massively, and and I think that's like you can't just take the things you do in an office and try and recreate in like you know recreate that in a remote environment. Like oh, let's have loads of meetings on Zoom, like because that again that's not asynchronous, is it? It goes back to that issue of needing people to be in places at certain times. Um, but yeah, I think I think Buffer Buffer do share. Like you know, Buffer is naturally a very transparent company, and you know, we our blog and um, various other social media sites that we're on. Um, we do share a lot of content around around remote work and and the things we do and the things we try and even the things we've like failed at and um, any kind of learnings that we have. And we've always done that, and I think that's probably been beneficial to quite a few people in this time. Um, and I hope it continues to be. And I and on the subject of like remote work continuing, I I really hope it does. I know a lot of companies are s- s- switching to remote, like even some of the bigger names, like I think Twitter, Square, um, and probably more that I can't remember right now, um, mm-hmm. have have gone out and said, "Yep, you can work from home now for the rest rest of the time." Mm-hmm. And um, so just waiting for some of the bigger players like Google mm-hmm. and so on to to make that jump oh, as well, make- which. Yeah, which would be really, again, again, they're such big companies, so it's a big a big shift. But um, yeah, I think it's cool to see some companies making that move and, and making that commitment. So before we get into some of the
0: transparency that is really unbelievable with Buffer, I, I want to talk about the discipline and how you structure a day. And mm. I know you talked about it in the book, but I really want to focus in on it because with that asynchronous nature, it can be very easy to just sort of wander off when work is light. Mm. So how do you how do you structure it and how do you discipline it to stick with that that general structure if you have one?
2: I try to structure my day um i, th- I find it's quite structured and um, like i have my typical my working hours are the same every day like night i think i do like 9 to half 5 um every day and when i first started working remotely people were like really surprised because i was, i literally just stayed i stay I didn't move I stayed where I was living and I was just working the same hours I was working when I was working in an office and I remember people were like oh do you you know you could work wherever you want and you're just staying in the same place um I am a creature of habit <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah my day yeah nine till 5 30 and um I usually start my day off by bullet ju- so um I'm quite into bullet journaling I got into it like last year um mm-hmm. And I kind of just set my whole day out in the morning. Um, I set my what I want to do for that day and what I want to achieve. I kind of like a to-do list essentially. Um, and that yeah, that sets my day out and, and what I'm going to go do for the day. Um, so I, I tend to have, I don't often have moments in the day where I'm like, oh, I've, I've got nothing to do or, or when work's light. And if that does happen or is that, if that has happened, then... Usually for me, that's like an opportunity to have a little break, or maybe go for a walk, or do a bit of light reading. and um, I think, I think that's one of the wonders of working from home is like, work becomes less about clocking in and doing your hours, and there's a lot more trust involved. Like a buffer, it's kind of like no one's checking your hours, no one's logging your time. Like as long as you're, you know, as long as work's being done and the things that need to be done are being done, then You know, I could probably—I don't do this, but I could probably, you know, I could probably wrap up my day and I could probably do a heads-down nine to three and probably sign off then if if I if I wanted to. And I'm I'm pretty sure no one would ask questions, (laughs) Um, because the work would be like as long as the work's done, the work's done. Um,
0: I love the term that you use off where you say I switch off.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I'm a really big believer of that, and I think that leans into the trying to help our team be asynchronous like Mm because if you know if i don't switch off if i'm checking slack in the evening or replying to things it's like Mm -hmm. that's not helping my team because i'm there and it's gonna stop it's not gonna help people be independent and help the team be asynchronous because like you know if i if i start appearing on slack at 8 p.m then that's gonna feel normal for joe to be online at 8 p.m and someone might think oh i can ping joe because he's sometimes online at this time um Mm -hmm. so i really like to switch off and that's it um if i know that if there was something really wrong and if there was a fire then i'd get pinged on um either like a pager duty or something um which is our like instant reporting tool so i know that if i'm needed I'll, i'll i'll be reached out to but um Anything else is not, I'm sure, is not urgent.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's the same in the UK as it is in the States, where we have two different types of jobs. We have exempt and non-exempt, where the exempt jobs basically means, well, you're expected to be here 40 hours, but we basically own you whenever we need you. And the mm, non-exempt okay. are the ones where you're plugging 40 hours, and beyond that, you would be uh, getting overtime if you ran over. So... So yeah I understand that concept from my position of I I plug in and I plug out but I also know that at a moment's notice the phone can ring and that may be the end of my weekend.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean the own the only time that I've been pinged to to come online when it's out of my hours I think it's only happened once in the four and a half years. Um, and that was a Friday. It was actually a Friday, about an hour after I signed out, and there was an issue. And I hopped on and only worked for an hour and fixed it, put a release out, and that was it. Um, and that was only once, so you know, I don't don't mind that. It's not like it's a regular regular occurrence. <laughs> Touch wood. That's it. I'm going to apply for a buffer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think in Germany it's even better. So so as Drew was mentioning about forty hours a week, that's something that we also have. It's like a legal binding that you have to work forty hours as like as 40 hours and you you should no one can force you to work more than that right so that basically um i think this is something that i prefer now more is that at 6 pm or something people just close their laptop and this is their end of work day, There's like switching off thing. Um, mm. And then this is your after work life. Like basically, if you want to go to a bar or something, meet friends or like just hang out with some people before pandemic. Yes, that's what mm. you could do. But as of now, even like when you are at home, you just shut down at like 6 p.m. or whatever your last clocking out time is. And it kind of works out. I think that's something that... I think it's it's a Germany thing or something that I've noticed that no one is actually expecting you to be available after six, even if there's like a fire or something. Maybe they will call you up if it's like really bad, but otherwise uh, it's always the next day. Like mm-hmm. it's not gonna be taken care of that same day. Mm-hmm.
0: I've been at the pub all evening. I don't know if you want me to code right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can do, it's
2: but like... I can't promise it'll be pretty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on on call, like saying that I'm not gonna be making this good. <laughs> But, but one important thing that maybe I also want to bring this up is that you mentioned something about switching out, um, but like maybe sometimes that it, you get a ping or something and then you work. But what I've also maybe noticed in my personal experience has been that if you start going and start accepting these like after work hours uh, calls or like pings, uh, then it also affects the your team members uh, who mm. also probably have to start doing that much, Right. And uh, I think maybe you can talk more about this because you're doing more of this thing uh, in general. But this is something that I've noticed. And, and some, some of my friends have mentioned this to me that they said that if, say, this person started working two hours later after the working hours finished, then it is an expectation now others would also work more two hours more after the work hour finishes for them.
2: Okay, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, So, yeah, like if... So if I came online and I had to fix an issue um like I think I think this is what you're getting at like my my manager said I'll take you know make sure you you take the time back yourself so maybe start work later a couple of hours on Monday and that I've I've seen that happen a few times like in the company or in my team like if someone's had to come online for something or they've had to hang around to to finish something that was like super urgent then the time is given back like rather than make rather than expecting it to be even in terms of someone else working more like you're kind of given that time mm-hmm. back because you've you've had to sacrifice that time mm-hmm. um which is i guess a nice a nice a nice way of doing it um because your time is your time it's not not your company's time
1: that's a good approach i would say so we
0: talked about the transparency at buffer mm. And obviously, we need to to come to the, the the biggest transparency that that I'll admit shocked me, and that was the pay scale is the 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 salaries are public mm. at at Buffer, and yeah. in, in in the U.S. the mentality is that that's forbidden, yeah, <laughs> and that's probably to prevent people from complaining they were discriminated against and legal battles left and right, but it seems to me to be a fantastic solution because you're, I take it, using a standard pay scale, saying somebody who's been in the job this long would get this much for this kind of a position.
2: Hmm. Yep. Yep. It's all like, um, we have. I don't know if you've seen the public salary calculator. Um, it doesn't cover all cases, but it's kind of like you know you can put you can put like senior front end engineer, and it will give you it will tell you how much you'd earn a buffer, and that is it's like non-negotiable that's you know if if you if you get hired for a senior position or maybe an eng free position eng 2 like that is what you'll be paid um um and i think yeah it's i think it's marvelous like it's one i i'd known about buffer for ages and that was one thing that was like i was always really impressed by um because like at my company it was at, at my last job before buffer it was like no one knew what other people earned and when i left i found out that the salaries were all over the place like yeah. <laughs> there was no there's no logic and some people who who were a lot a le- lot less experienced were being paid way more than people who had more loads of experience just because they joined the company at different times and there'd be no adjustments and so on and it's like wow it's really messed up um and we we're kind of told we weren't allowed to talk about it. <laughs> just yeah, just like... you,
0: really, you really get the impression that it's it's not merely forbidden to give that information out, but you you're forbidden from even discussing it with your coworkers, which yeah. they can't prevent. They, they they really can't stop you from doing, but I'm assuming that from year to year that that changes, that it's not locked in from for every year.
2: Yeah, yeah. They do like salary I think it is it the, the Radford Job Code. So our salaries are checked against that every year and (laughs) like this year i had a a bit of a pay rise because senior engineers like the 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 average pay for senior engineers in went up so my salary (laughs) went up and which is nice and it's kind of like inflation in a sense i guess um yeah and another thing like i think is important is in terms of like just equal pay like there's no like you said there's no discrimination um against based on um uh, gender or um or or race and it's just it's equal for everyone um like i said no 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 negotiations um which is really nice and i think really really important to have in place
1: yeah i'm looking at this calculator right now uh, it's it's pretty straightforward it basically says i am say a software engineer three living in a city with average cost of living and then it gives you mm. out a number which is uh, pretty great uh, i would say in terms of like getting an idea at least but, yeah. but would you would you uh, say that this is not considering the the city uh, and the cost of living for that there is something that says cost of living so maybe i'm missing it out
2: yeah i think i think the city i think that's how we calculate it is the city that you 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 select there will mm-hmm. will um adjust for cost of living like that's why i said it's not it might not be you can um the calculator can't calculate every single option cuz i if your city's not listed there i think I think our team has to like do some research um, but yeah I think there's free cost of living bands like high, medium and low um and then in, like for i think i'm I think I'm in the medium band, for example um and I know some companies do that differently, like some companies have some companies who have the, the salary calculator in place to have equal pay um some of those remote companies just pay everyone the same and some do the location based pay. Um, a lot of mixed opinions on it um i think
1: this is yeah this is super interesting i think uh our listeners would also be very interested in looking at this
2: mm, yeah yeah definitely
0: so at this point are are you a a lead or a, a managing dev or what what position are you currently in so
2: i'm in the, i'm I'm a senior two i'm kind of like it, it's weird i'm kind of like lead the Android, basically, the Android, t- the mobile teams are really small, so there are only two Android, two iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, you could That's say uh, technically That sounds normal. <laughs> yeah, you could say I lead the Android team, but then like some people are like, "Oh, it's only two of you," so it's a bit, um, a, a bit of a, a funny one. But um, yeah, I try and yeah, I guess I'm on the Android team and 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 lead that, and um, also as a senior, too, kind of expected to do things throughout engineering like not necessarily coding for other teams but just try and uh, influence things moving forward Mm -hmm. whether it's how we do things and um, mentorship and so on
0: having having many times been the lead ios engineer of a team of me i (laughs) i appreciate that very much Um, one day you're just an in the in the trenches programmer and the next day you're at a meeting with the cto trying to explain technologies and it's (laughs) The, <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the reason I ask is that when you are in a position of leadership, you are dealing with other engineers. And I I wonder, because there's a lot of discussion in in living by the code about w- what leadership means and, and how it, how you view it. And I was mm. just looking for your, your, your 30,000 foot view of
2: how you view leadership in that kind of a position. When it comes to like the Android Platform and, and leadership there. It's kind of just you know not only focusing on like the things we're doing in the Android team, but also trying to you know mentor the other team members, like whether it's one or two people within that Android team, and then also you know being that point of uh communication and contact for, like you said, you you were talking to CTO, like we have a similar setup uh, buffer, like. Oh, I'll talk to the CTR at buffer or I'll talk to um other EMs or, or product to 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 keep things in the loop and keep things moving forward. Um and I that's so what I kind of see my role as uh, in the in the Android team. Like I do I do, do a lot of uh, uh IC work still, like uh, individual contributor work. But mm-hmm. um but keeping yeah, keeping the Android team running and, and keeping you know making sure we've got stuff to do and making sure we're up to date and keeping, you know modern code base and, and so on um but outside of that like i think one of the things i love about buffer is just this just being able to do stuff like i have a really like just do it attitude like um working on the api or you know um helping out uh other teams do stuff and you know like this week i've been working on a uh, a library for the front end and back end teams to help improve our analytics tracking and and being able to do like even though I'm not in those teams I'm like I'm doing that stuff and like no one's saying oh no Joe don't do that you're on the Android team like focus on that work um just about like helping each other and um helping other teams move forward and um I, I really really enjoy doing that stuff as well and um I think that's. I lead. I see that as leadership in a sense as well. Like you know, setting our teams up for success and you know setting those little things up and handing them over and um, um, driving up uh momentum to to mm-hmm. to to put those things in place.
1: So I I saw um uh, I I was reading the book uh, Living by the Code and I I saw that you had quoted. Uh, I'm going to quote your, you yourself. Uh, I also like to give people the chance to be challenged, explore problems themselves. And find their own solution. um This, I think, is more or less uh, being pointed towards mentorship. So, could you mm. like elaborate on this more?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it, it is related to mentorship. Like, I think, I think when like I'm a I'm a big like people person. I really like helping people. And I think earlier in my career, I fell into the trap of like you know if someone needed help or an engineer needed needed help, I'd be like ha- hand holding too much and just like not giving the answers, but like just almost almost adding answers to solu- to problems and like and uh, giving too much help, which I think sometimes might be needed if you know if you're if you're in a more of a mentorship position, but um as I've gone through like my career i've i've you know seen the importance of and also experienced myself you know if you if you solve a problem yourself um maybe you've had a few pointers here and there um solving that problem. And, you know, not only feeling the satisfaction that you've done that, but also going through that learning process of doing it, um, I think is really important. And and I try and lean to that quite a lot, like during mentorship. Um, Some people say that's more of a coaching thing, um, but I think it's as engineers, like we naturally have that ambition to solve problems. So I think engineers can do that stuff. They just sometimes need pointers to get in the right direction. I I wrote a blog post on this uh, last year. I can't I can't remember what the title was, but um, yeah, it was kind of I talked about rather than giving someone a map, um, giving them a, a couple of directions and, and helping them find their way through it.
1: I like that. Yeah, I I know that you also are doing a lot of like uh, like apart from mentorship in your current team. Also, I think you are also publishing a lot of blog posts and obviously giving a lot of conference talks. Um, I don't know since the pandemic has been around like how many virtual conferences you've been to but like in general you've been giving a lot of talks and everything so you you are kind of like um, i would say Working in every single direction, uh, <laughs> you have done something related to Google Assistant, uh, um, and I also saw you have something recently related to Compose Academy. I think that is related to Jetpack Compose. Uh, I was following that myself, so that's nice. uh, it's pretty good. So yeah, like so, how do you even come up with these like, or or maybe it's your interest is just getting forayed into all these different directions.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, um, I. I just love doing making stuff and building things like I think when I started my career I was very heavy on Android like I, I st- still am but um I went very deep on Android and was just focused on Android um after several years working on Android I think I started to, to branch out a bit and just you know thinking oh I realize I just l- like solving problems and building things that help people solve problems Regardless of whether that's on Android or not, um, and there's so much tech out there, so many different platforms. Like, like you said, like Google Assistant, and um, building for the web, maybe even building for iOS or um, using another framework on Android like Flutter or, or so on. I think as you get I, I, the more senior you get, and the more the more experience you get with engineering, like I started to just you know see. I don't want to say it's just working with a framework, but you, you just learn how to build things and you and you learn how things work and how things fit together and and you know, if you want to work build it on an Android platform, you want to build it on iOS, like you still have the fundamentals and and it's just about getting to grips with the way that those things work on those certain platforms. Um and for me it was just like that realisation and then just realizing that I could solve problems on whatever I was building for and um yeah. I think as well, like professionally, I think it's important to, to have an open mind. Um, you know, things change so quickly. Um, I think we're quite lucky that being around at this time, like with mobile is, and and how long mobile has been around, I feel really privileged to be able to experience that. Um, but we never know what's the next, what the next big thing is and, (laughs) you know, is Android going to be here in 10 years? I don't know. Like, who knows? No one knows. I um, hope it is. I really love working with it. But I think it's good to be able to work with different things and, um, and, and have an open mind in that aspect. Yep.
0: So, of course, the, the, the question I have now is, is there a specific technology that you really love playing in right now? Or is there a specific technology you'd really like to be playing in right now?
2: <laughs> um, so I'm actually really enjoying GraphQL at the moment. Um, so you mentioned the Compose Academy site, and I built that with GraphQL and the API, and I've be doing some GraphQL stuff at work. And I am just really love working with it. Um, it's weird because it's not like... I feel like it's not like a groundbreaking thing. It's not like anything that's like out of this world. But it's just, I think for me, it's just a bit of a change and and something new and something fresh to be playing with. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, and another thing, going to put a second one in there is just hardware stuff. Um, I've really always loved working with hardware and like um, Raspberry Pi and Arduino. Mm-hmm. I have done for years. Don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I'm not. I don't have any. I, I, I completely f- messed up my electronics course at college um, and I yeah I don't know what I'm doing but I really enjoy it and I like getting away from the screen obviously I have to do some coding but I like getting away from a screen and just you know tinkering with components and plugging things in and making stuff happen um, yeah so I r- really really enjoy that stuff
0: I'm always fine right up until I hit capacitors and then I get very very confused
2: <laughs> further than me <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but yeah i just worry like am i going to start a fire is something going to blow up um but yeah it's, it could be s- scary stuff
1: yeah talking talking about all this hardware stuff i see that you have you built a project called Chord assist would you want to talk about that a little bit
2: yeah yeah definitely um yes yeah, so the Cord assist was a project of, was it last year or the year before last year is just like a, a blur so i think it, i think it was the year before last year um, so yeah, it was a guitar and it was where is it? I say for that. It was um it's built using Google Assistant and it was a guitar built for um blind, deaf and mute people. Ooh. So you could essentially talk to the guitar and you could ask it how to play a chord and then depending on what you had turned on the guitar would either speak out the instructions, display the instructions on the screen or um read them on the braille reader on the bottom of the guitar. Um, and then, yeah, if you, if the person isn't able to speak, also had buttons to be able to, to select the chord that you wanted to learn. Um, it was just, it was just kind of just like a, an experiment. Um, so my mum has, uh, an eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa, which is, uh, essentially your eye cells gradually die over time and you can end up with like tunnel vision. And, um, my nan had it as well. And I don't think I have it. Like touch wood, I think it would have been picked up by now in an eye test. But um, it's start, like that started to get me thinking. Like, if I had that condition, like how would my life have been impacted, and what things might I not have been able to do, if um that I, that I have done in my life. And um, I play a lot of music, and that obviously that seemed like a natural thing for me. I was like, wow, like if I if I was uh, if I was blind, or if if I had this condition when I was younger, like. You know, learning guitar or um, having access to music could have looked very, very different for me. Um, so I started to think of ways that maybe I could bring my love of guitar and technology together. Um, so I built the guitar, and um, yeah, it was good. It was a good project. It works. I haven't really done anything else with it. Like I made a video of Google. Um, Google came over and shot a video in my house, which was really fun, um, and talked about it at conferences. But um, yeah, I, I plan. Like last year, I was hoping to do. To get some people to test it and like to to see if it could help people, like get some real users. But 2020 being 2020, kind of uh, <laughs> put, uh a spanner in that wrench. So,
1: uh, yeah. I remember it was also nominated for something. I think Webby Awards or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't win a Webby award. It got. It. It came. Was it fourth? It just missed bronze, I think. But it won a Lovey award, which is like the sister company the Webby awards. So. I'm happy with that (laughs) I'll take it
0: (laughs) I find that I really wish more engineers had someone in their life or themselves that needed an assistive technology because Mm. until you've actually run into what a person goes through you really don't necessarily have an appreciation for the assistive stack that is Mm. there in in Android and is there in iOS but People just tend to go well. I guess I they they give it lip service rather than actually thinking about how it it, it can best assist their their end users.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's like there was that video on Twitter um, towards the end of the last year of um, I think it was uh, a girl who was using Talkback on a, on iOS to to view her Twitter feed, and it was really fast and. And I remember it went like viral because people like couldn't believe it, <laughs> and yeah, that, I think that proves what you just said like you, until you've seen this technology in use or you've you know someone who's experienced those kind of things, like you're just unaware of it um and I think that's yeah i think I think there could definitely be more education in that thing as well, like um if people you know are aware of that stuff, like we know about it, and so on like educating more people about those things and like trying to make it more of a standard. Mm -hmm. It's
1: always Um, [3] interesting for me to see um, how we as engineers could impact the life of uh, other people. um, [3] Considering we, we look at this, these problems um, as, as our own. Right. So like you saw that particular situation and said like, what if I was in this situation and then you build this out. Um, Mm. [3] I think as a as genius if, if all of us kind of focused on that that would definitely bring at least something that's good for, for people those who cannot actually experience the world as we do right? Yeah, that would something be very good to see uh,
2: yeah and like products that we build that are assistive technology like most of the time they end up being used by people who don't need assistive technology mm-hmm. <laughs> like the guitar it could be used for that and I could use it and we look at things like, I don't know, like the the Roomba, the hoover that moves around the floor. Like I think yeah. that was originally designed as an assistive tool. And mm-hmm. <laughs> most people I know who own them um, don't need that assistive technology.
0: I wish we had time for the whole interview, but you can find the rest of the interview in some of the parts we may have edited out on YouTube in just a few weeks. Joe, this has been an amazing sit down an amazing episode. I really want to thank you for joining us this this episode. It's been really informative.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've really, really enjoyed t- chatting to you. It's been really great.
0: Do not forget to check out Joe's chapter in uh, "Living by the Code." Uh, some really great books that uh, Joe recommends, including "The Pragmatic Programmer," which is a stunning piece of literature that that is worth reading over and over again. You can find Joe on Twitter and on Medium at at Hi There Joe, which I just think is the greatest uh, Twitter handle. That's H I T H E R E J O E. Hi There Joe. Uh you can find Nishant, of course, at NISRules, N-I-S-R-U-L-Z. I'm Podcast Drew. Um, our next episode, we're gonna have Ty Smith on the show. And he is the team lead and, and has had many manager roles at a lot of unicorn startups like Uber and Twitter and Evernote. And then after that episode, two weeks later, we're gonna have Corey Lee Ladislaw on the show. And as always. Uh, since we record about two weeks before we actually get the shows out, if you have any questions for Corey, please send them to, uh, uh, to podcast at raywenderlich.com. Again, thank you, Joe Nishant. Thank you as always for being on the show. Uh, we'll be back again in two weeks with our next episode. And until then, Ray, back to you.
2: And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody for listening to the raywenderlich.com
0: podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.